0: Now, today on the show, we have Satpal Singh, who is a Sikh guru who has been teaching non-duality and mindful practices since 2012. Satpal and I had a wonderful conversation about finding your purpose in life, what it's like to be a spiritual teacher in the real world, and much, much more.
1: Let's dive in. I'd
0: like to welcome to the show Satpal Singh. How are you doing, Satpal
2: I'm very well, Alex. Nice to meet you. How are you doing?
0: Very good, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to you uh, about all things spiritual and deep. And let's see where this conversation goes, my friend.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I mean, I was saying that I've enjoyed some of your shows. So it's it's a real pleasure. And thank you for reaching out to me as well.
0: Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. So my first question to you is, how did you begin your spiritual journey?
2: I always hear... These life coaches and various spiritual teachers around the world, and they always have these fantastical stories about huge childhood traumas, and then going through these 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 big changes. and I've asked myself that question so many times, like, how come I don't have an interesting story? Um, and I think I, I I grew up in a fairly normal um, religious Indian household. Um, my parents um, brought my my me and my my sister up uh, in a relatively religious. Uh, upbringing. Um, and our our sort of spiritual background is that we come from the Sikh tradition. Um, and I like to think of us as uh, you know, as my childhood, as, as, as the Sunday Sikhs, we would go to uh, the <laughs> temple, the Gurdwara on a Sunday, and then Monday to Saturday, you just live your normal lives. And there was never really any sort of deep philosophical kind of questioning of my faith or anything like that. I was pretty comfortable with it as a child, growing up into my teenage years. Uh, And it was only in sort of my late teens that I developed a real fascination for some of the deeper spiritual questions. And I think where it came about was, as as most children do, you tend to inherit your parents' definition of your religion. And Mm -hmm. it's only in sort of the teenage years where you start having those conversations with friends and your peers, and you realize that not everybody sees even your own tradition or your own religion in the same way. And everybody has their own viewpoint. And rather than putting me off, that actually really fascinated me. I was like, how come we both belong to the same tradition, but you have a completely different understanding about the rules and what what you can do, what you can't do, how you view, view life. So it kind of really piqued my curiosity and I started to dig a little bit deeper. And I was very fortunate Uh, around the age of 20 to meet what I call now my first mentor. Um, And again, wasn't some sort of priest, wasn't some sort of spiritual enlightened teacher. He was just um, an ordinary family man who had seemed to have had the right answers to things and was just able to open my mind to look at my own spiritual tradition with this kind of fresh lens. And he started to teach me around concepts around oneness and uh, introduced me to meditation. And that to me was where things really started to change, where I started to meditate and realize that, that the religion that I'd grown up with was really talking about something fundamental and internal that was going on within me. And when I started to have breakthroughs and, and in, in my own journey, in my own self-discovery, and then diving back into the spiritual texts and saying, oh, wow, this is actually what they're talking about. I'd never really questioned what they were talking about, but these spiritual masters were talking about an inner journey. And that to me was just the whole revelation that there is ultimately something going on within you that you need to discover, as opposed to it just being a set of practices that you need to follow.
0: Yeah, and so many times we're told that everything, we'll find salvation outside of ourselves never within ourselves. And that's kind of what I think you and I are both trying to tell the world a little bit more that the answers are actually within you.
2: And that's the same message that's come from almost all spiritual traditions, which is stop looking outside, there is something so profoundly beautiful within you that you've never really gone to look. And when you do, You need a guide. You need somebody to actually show you the way, because a lot of the times people who just sit and close their eyes, it lasts maybe 30 seconds before they give up because they say, I don't know what I'm looking for. My mind is too busy. And it's only through that persistence and guidance and having your hand held by the right people and showing you look for this, go do this, go try this. And that's when you begin to discover there is a completely different way of living life when you come to discover some of the secrets that are held within you and i I just found that whole thing so moving so life-changing that i actually decided that that was going to be my my path in life was just to go and share whatever little bit i had experienced within myself to just help everyone else kind of uncover those things
0: would you would you agree with this analogy that meditation is very much like going into the ocean on a boat And if you truly don't know where you're going, or don't have a way to navigate through the ocean, it's just it's daunting. And you can get lost. And you could just go, you know what, I just want to get out of here, because this doesn't make any sense to me, where if you do have guidance, or some sort of navigation, to where you're trying to find, it becomes a very enjoyable trip.
2: (laughs) completely. I, I, I say that whenever you try to meditate it is ultimately something that you have to go on your own
1: mm-hmm.
2: although others can guide you it's almost as though they can only show you the map but ultimately it's a route that you have to take on your own but you do need that map you do need someone who's been there before and i mean it's 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 true of anything i i i take the example that if you want to succeed in any field in life the first thing you want to do is go and find a mentor go and find somebody to shadow uh, you know, if you want to be really successful in business, you start following all the the business entrepreneurs that are out there and, 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 and you know, watching their YouTube channels or, or reading their books. You need to know how others have done it. And for no other reason than to just see what are the pitfalls that they've encountered so that you know to sidestep some of those and avoid some of those as well.
0: Now, from your journeys, what kind of misconceptions do you think that have come out of spirituality? Because it is a word that is tossed around very frequently. And there's a lot of misconceptions from people on the religious side, the dogmatic side, and also people who are from the agnostic side who just they're like, they have different perceptions of that word. What is the definition in your idea? And what are some of those misconceptions?
2: It's very interesting. So for me coming from more of an Indian Eastern spiritual background, I never had a problem with this word spirituality. And it's right. only when you start looking at it from different people's lenses, you realize that not everybody defines it in the same way. For some people, the word spirituality is just synonymous with religion. For some people, it actually means spiritualism, which means to contact spirits and run seances and contact people, uh, who have passed on. Mm. And sometimes I so I'm really careful about certain words because what I might mean about spirituality is not the same as what you might mean. And the way I've come to define it within myself is religion seems to bind you down and spirituality sets you free. Hmm. Religion was meant to set you free, but it, it starts to become dogmatic and it starts to become almost tribalism. This is what I believe. These are my rules. These are my practices. And you can have, countless number of tribes in the world who all have their own fantastical belief systems about what is true and what is not. And that's how you start creating all these divisions. That's how you start deciding that you belong in one box and the other person, if they don't join your box, then, then, then they're the outsiders. And I think spirituality just breaks all of those divisions. It breaks all of those barriers between you and everyone else and it's a lot more wholesome. It's a lot more unifying.
0: Why do you think that so many of us need to to be right about what they believe in? That they have to be like, it's my, like we are the chosen ones. You are obviously gonna go to hell because you don't believe with what I say, or you're obviously gonna go to some magical place after you die and I'm not because I don't believe what you believe why do you believe that that's been such a ingrained almost in our DNA, for hundreds, if not 1000s of years, as opposed to this concept of oneness, which is starting to flourish a little bit more in this time period around the world, I've seen it. And I think you have as well, that people are starting to understand that we're not separate, we're all a little bit more. But there's, there's still this history. And by the way, we're still in it (laughs) a lot. Why do you believe that that's the case?
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: I think we can't really understand people's behaviors until we start to have an understanding of what an ego is. And most people are acting out of their egos, as I'm sure you and I are as well, subconsciously or unconsciously. But I think what spiritual masters try to do, if they do it right, is they shine a light on your ego. They show you what it is that you're holding on to. This sense of superiority, this sense of I am right, is so ingrained in us because ultimately one of the things that we don't want to let go of is this feeling of I am. And so the fact that I am, I exist, is so crucial to how we understand ourselves. We do whatever it takes to re cement that sense of I am. I mean, any argument that you've ever had with another person, the only thing that you're really saying is I am right. And I need you to know how right I am. And the other person is saying exactly the same thing, but I'm right. And I'm going to keep raising my voice until you decide that I'm the one that's right and you're wrong. And so that's what we're doing all day. We're just resolidifying this concept that I am, I exist, I'm important. My existence counts for something. And the spiritual masters actually turn that whole thing upside down. In fact, they're saying that is your ultimate cause of suffering. The fact that you believe that you are is the reason why you can't be happy in life. And it's only when you start to become comfortable with letting go of this sense of self-importance, that's when you can start to ease your suffering. That's when you can start to see that there is a better way to live. And it's not by creating divisions. It's not by solidifying and making yourself feel right all the time. It's just about creating those kind of unifying factors, looking at everyone as part of that oneness. And and I completely agree with you that we're, we're in such a fortunate time where oneness really is something that people are awakening themselves to
0: and there there's talking there's talks about it there you know my show, my channel, I could see people are interested in these kind of concepts in large ways, and your channel as well and with the work that you're doing ten twenty years ago that's not the case, but now it it seems to really be opening up, and I always say to people when when uh you throw an idea out to somebody and it rocks the foundation of their belief system it's a chain reaction if i believe in reincarnation but that doesn't exist in my beliefs so if i believe in that that destroys everything i have and oh wait a minute my priest who i really like he's been telling me lies all these years and wait a minute my parents who brought me up have they been wrong all this time that can't be it i must kill you now like <laughs> it's like it, it, you see how quickly that went to the dark side and that's kind of the history of of man in many ways I think what's
2: interesting is that a lot of the times people are willing to defend something that they've just been told again and again and again, and they've been told it so many times and they believe it so deeply within themselves that they don't actually understand that it is just a thought, it's just an idea, it's not an experiential truth. And one of the things that I think I try and do with the work that I'm doing is I will only want to share something if I think it's something that I've experienced in my own life. I don't I have no interest in in concepts. I have no interest in theories because you can have all the theories that you want, but there's only a certain number of things that you can actually know. And when you come to know certain truths. Experientially, you've actually known them, you've actually tasted it, then you don't want to fight somebody else you want to share that experience with someone else it's it's the idea of if, if if you if if the people around you have never tasted a strawberry and you've tasted it you don't want to fight the other person you want to give them the same sense of wonderment that you've experienced and so that kind of compassion should really come out of your spirituality as opposed to defending a, a set of beliefs that you don't even know whether they're true or not.
0: And to, to piggyback on your your analogy of the strawberry, it's like two different people who have never tasted a strawberry, but have been told a hundred times of what a strawberry tastes like. And one says it's sweet, one says it's sour. Well, well my parents brought me up to believe that strawberries are sweet. Mine brought me up to believe the strawberries are sour, but yet neither of them have ever tried it or investigated those ideas, but yet they will fight to the death to defend it. Exactly. It's so bizarre as you and now it sounds ridiculous as i've put that in that analogy you're like of course that me but that's what that's what dogmatic belief systems in any belief system whether it be dogmatic in spirituality and certain concepts in spirituality and in religions as well it's pretty fascinating
2: this is why i really find terminology quite fascinating because if you look at just the the definition of the word belief it means to put your faith in something that you don't know to be true. That's literally the the dictionary definition to put your Mm -hmm. faith in something that you don't know to be true. And I always ask myself this question, is that what my spiritual masters experienced? Did they believe in a God, which means they, they think it's there, but they're not, they're not really sure. Or did they know God? And if they knew, what oneness was, is if they knew a divine experience, then the question then comes back to me, do I know it or do I just believe it? And once you start to understand these things, you really can start to see clearly, I don't know what I've been taught all my life, but there's very few things that I actually know to be true.
0: Mm-hmm. Without question. Now, you've been talking about spiritual masters and, and gurus and things like that, that people talk about all the time. As you know, some a lot of people look at you for advice and look for you as, as a guidance in your work. Um, have you ever felt lost in your life? And if you did, how did you overcome it?
2: One of the things I try to do in the YouTube channel that I run and and, and, and the lectures that, I, that I'm fortunate enough to give um, is I always make it clear I'm not a spiritual master. I always make it clear that the wisdom that I talk about is far greater than me. And I fall down every single day. And the reason I'm able to stand up and talk to people about it is because I keep falling down and this wisdom keeps working on me. I keep having this to bounce back from and. You know, like, you're right. There are people who would look to me for guidance and, you know, I've had all sorts of labels and titles thrown at me and i always say if you want to know how spiritual i am just ask my wife and kids they'll tell you how ordinary my (laughs) life really is because you know you you can have a facade in front of other people and you can say all these flowery words but you go home and you have two young kids screaming at you and straight away all of that spiritual training just goes out the window and and it's quite humbling actually every time that happens because you know, I go to bed at the end of the night and I'm like, so where, where's all that spiritual training that you give other people? Where's where's that gone? And it's quite humbling because you realize that you're nothing. You don't have any special powers. You don't have any special abilities. You, you're you just in, as much in need of this wisdom as, as the people that you're speaking to. So, you know, the short answer is yes, I, I fall down all the time.
0: You know, the funny thing is, is that I always tell people, you know, it's great that these these spiritual masters that we study, like Yogananda or Buddha or Jesus, that's great. But you know, throw them a five-year-old and talk to me after that. <laughs> it's because, you know, most of the spiritual spiritual masters were were not did not have families. There's one that did, and i love him, Lahir Mahashai, uh, in the in the line of, of Yogananda. And I always look to him and his teachings because they actually told, I think his guru told him, no, you have to go off and live a normal life so you could show people it's possible. It's just not easy to be spiritually enlightened or even begin to really encompass it when you have screaming kids or life or things happening to you.
2: It's so true. And and this is one of the things that I love about the Sikh tradition and and, and why I speak so much about it and people
1: don't know. <laughs> We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: There's a spiritual text in the world which I follow called the Guru Granth Sahib. Mm -hmm. And that is written by spiritual masters who all got married, who all had kids. So Guru Nanak, whose name you might have heard of, Mm -hmm. you may not know that he was married and he had kids. And he worked on a farm, and before that, he worked in in a in a store where he was um, buying and selling goods. And so, what I love about the spiritual tradition is that I'm actually learning from masters who saw what it was like to deal with those day-to-day struggles. And and, and you know, and it's an observation that I've had uh, many times from many other spiritual traditions. I'm like, give them a mortgage, give them give them a, a job right. that they've got to go to every day, give them a boss who's kind of screaming at them and giving them deadlines and give them kids. And now let's see how, how that, that spiritual practice works. And, and, and it's no disrespect to any of the other spiritual masters that but are out there spiritual traditions. They're, they're amazing. But one of the things I always I'm concerned about is there are spiritual teachings that are out there in the world which were developed and were given only to monks. And now because of the internet and, and knowledge, that tradition is being spread everywhere but a lot of the times it was actually meant for monks who kind of walked away from life and this was this was something that that my spiritual master guru nanak who lived around the 14 when he was a young young man he was invited by many spiritual masters and said hey why don't you come and join us you're clearly very spiritual and his response was the world is burning and the spiritual masters are sitting up on a mountain meditating. He says, I I can't come and join you. I need to go down where the people are. I need to go and be with them and show them what it's like. And and what you realize is some of the practices become a lot harder to practice the spiritual teachings that are out there. They're a lot harder to do. You can't necessarily meditate for two and a half hours every single day when you wake up and the first thing you've got to do is, is, is get your kids ready for school and catch the train and get to work on time and then come home and make sure that the groceries are, 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 have been ordered and, and, and you've got to put dinner on the table. You can't necessarily commit to some of those things. So then the big question becomes, what is a spiritual tradition that I can do in my day-to-day life? What's the, what's the meditation technique that I can use that allows me to go to work every day and interact with the world every day? And that's where I think some of my work really comes in because I think it actually starts to answer some of those questions.
0: That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I like I like that point of view because you're absolutely right. Many of the spiritual traditions we are are very monk-esque. Uh, and it's easier to just sit around for 10, 12 hours a day and meditate, eat rice, clean the foyer, and go back to meditation as opposed to everything you just said which is a more complicated uh life experience to say the least and and it's not to take anything
2: away from them because Absolutely. it's not easy it's not easy to do some of those things either it's incredibly oh difficult to just sit with your thoughts um oh, and and just, just kidding and, and <laughs> right and 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 to deal with with a life of of, of real hardship because a lot of these monks Will, will sit in caves and have nothing to their name. They don't have a phone. They, they, they wear the same clothes every day. And it really, I mean, it's a beautiful tradition because it really begins to attack your ego. And, and you sit there and you're thinking, you know, my friends are driving around in fancy cars. And what am I doing here just sitting in a cave? So it's not an easy tradition at all. But it's not the only path. That's not the only way to enlightenment. There are ways where you can live your day-to-day life. And I think for 99% of the world, people don't want to run away from from life. They wanna be part of life. They wanna enjoy all the sights and sounds and the flavors of life, but actually do do it in a much more spiritual way.
0: You know, it's really interesting. You said something that I wanna kind of dig into a little bit is that there are multiple paths to self-realization, to enlightenment where, so many believe that it's only the Buddhist way or the only the Taoist way or only the Hindu way or only the Christian way uh, or there's just a spiritual way or the guru. way. There is from doing this show and speaking to so many different traditions, ideas, thoughts, I've come to realize in my own experience that there is a plethora of ways that you can get to the top of the mountain. Everybody is everyone's climbing the mountain from different aspects of the mountain. So the perspectives are very different, but they're all going towards the same peak. And if you let go of the ego and just follow the the path that rings true to you, by the way, your path is obviously ringing very true to you, but it might not ring true for other people and they might find it in other traditions or other ideas but there's multiple ways to, as they say, multiple ways to skin a cat.
2: <laughs> I, I love the analogy that you gave of, of, of reaching one destination, which is the, the top of the mountain and the, and there's many different paths. And I think you, you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said that there are paths that will be right for you. And I, and I, you know, the, the, the example that I think works well is if you ask 10 different people how to lose weight, They'll all tell you a different way that worked for them. So somebody will say, I just jog for five miles every day. And somebody else will say, well, I just do intermittent fasting and I only eat one meal a day. Somebody says, I just swim every day and none of them are wrong. They're all different paths. Now, for you, you might think I I don't have time to 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 go for a run or it's just, you know, I'm not built that way that I enjoy doing that. I would rather do something else. You know, I'd rather go dance classes and lose my weight that way than, than, than go for run on the treadmill. So, but you still get to the same destination. And I think it's only, again, you really have to have an understanding of, of your ego to be able to let go of it. And, and some of the times when something pinches you and you think that's they're wrong or they're right, anything that makes you, that creates a sense of division between you and someone else, anything that makes you feel superior, that should be sending alarm bells to you on your spiritual path that says, oh, that's another ego. Anything that tells you I'm I'm good, I'm better, I'm look how right I am, I'm doing this right, that should just be a real warning sign that you've not seen this aspect of your own ego.
0: You mean, so like, I can't say I'm the most spiritual? I'm much more spiritual to you? I'm the humblest, I'm much more humble than you, sir. <laughs>
2: You you can say it, but your your spiritual teacher may have some 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 words for you.
0: Right, exactly. It's just so. But but by the way, that that's another trap, and that's been said by a lot of gurus throughout the throughout the centuries. Spirituality itself, and and the and the and the and the road to spirituality, can be laden with traps of the ego. Going, oh, I can meditate. I can meditate so well that I levitate. I can. I have yogic powers now and look at me. I love the story. I don't know if you've ever heard this little quick story was there was two yogis on one side of a river and one yogi said to the other, look what I can do. And he levitated across to the other side. And then the other yogi just walked across the bridge and he goes, isn't that impressive? He goes, it is. But you spent 30 years learning how to do that, where I just walked across the bridge. <laughs> those are the kind of isn't that beautiful it's kind of that the traps of like if you're going after levitation or yogic powers if you're met that's not the point of it all it's just kind of noise traps really at the end of the day
2: completely and one of the things that i find interesting is almost all the spiritual dialogue that's out there these days is all about the self and self-discovery and some of the masters will tell you that there are traps there where if you keep focusing on the self and I am, and I am this, and whatever whatever is at the end of that statement that says I am, at the end of the day, if there's still an I am, it's a trap, it's an ego. So one of the very interesting things about the, the Sikh spiritual tradition is it takes the complete opposite approach. So the whole tradition of the Sikhs is I am nothing, everything is you and it just kind of looks out to the universe and says it's all you and the the the, the tradition is about falling in love and having a real sense of devotion to the totality of it all looking at the oneness looking at the oneness of life the spirit of life whatever we want to call it and the whole focus is about you. you this is you this is you this is you so every person that you see you see that divine spirit you say this is you and you go as far as even saying, this is you, even I am nothing, my, my, my body is you, my mind is you, everything is, is, created, is a creation of the universe, I am absolutely nothing. So it takes a completely opposite approach to that of self-discovery. And
1: we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show
2: while they may, may seem like two very different paths, ultimately they get you to exactly the same destination, which is dropping of the self, just letting go of any sense of self-importance. Yeah. And the way that the, the Sikh tradition does it is it's all about you. And it's, it's it's it uses mantra, it uses wisdom words, it uses song, and it's just constantly praising. So we're living in a world now where you can, have very detailed conversations about your political views and your ideologies, but as soon as you mention the word God, it's almost like the worst thing that you can bring up. You know, in the in the office, or, or you know, talk to me about anything, but don't talk to me about God. And God has become such a I call it a swear word. It's become such a, a foul it's a thing that you it's a that you can word, talk yeah. to people about. But actually, we, in doing that, we're in danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, where we don't we don't understand what this God thing was. And, 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 you know, and, and understandably there's so many atrocities that have been created in the name of a God. And so many, you know, we started this conversation around people who just believe in something and, 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 and want to fight to the death to defend their beliefs. And so we've there's so many terrible things that have happened in the name of God that now society as a whole is just shunning that whole idea. And you come across a spiritual like mine where God, is a central theme, except it's not a Mr. God. It's not an old man with a white beard in the, in, the, in the sky. It's actually just the oneness. It is the universe. It is the spirit of life that's within you and, and also within me. And if you can, you can let go of some of these ancient, outdated ideas of God, it's actually a very beautiful tradition to just have this outpouring of love towards everything because you see the sameness in them that you see in yourself. So if you have friends and you have people that you love, it's that same energy that's in everything, in the sky, in nature, in, in trees, in, in the people that you don't like. It's that same essence that, that's in all of them. And, and so if you can try and start to understand what was really meant by this God, it wasn't some kind of father figure. It's really just something bigger that we're all connected with.
0: Right, and uh, from speaking to so many near-death experiencers, I've I've heard the common theme that love, love is what's on the other side waiting for us—an immense amount of unconditional love—and almost, I think every single one I've spoken to, probably thirty or forty at this point, if not more, have said that as a as a common theme, and there's just oneness and that there's connection with every other soul, and you can hear and instantly think and feel it, it, it just throws away this illusion of separation that we live in. And it is all about connectedness. It's all about oneness. And that's what all the great masters have said throughout the centuries. It's, it's pretty remarkable where we're, uh, we're hopefully we're going to be going to.
2: Yeah, I, I hope so. I think for me, oneness is such a fundamental idea. And it, it goes so much deeper than just, we're all part of the same thing, or we should kind of look towards our similarities rather than our differences. It's so much deeper than that. And it's it's so true that ultimately we are all, all part of the same thing. I, I, the, the analogy that, that sticks out in my mind is many waves all belonging to the same ocean. Right. And when you see it in that way, it's so obvious we're all part of life. And it's just when you start to change terminology, I think, you know, for a lot of times people struggle with the word God. And that's why I I tend not to use it that much for me. Oneness is a much more appropriate word. And even that people kind of get, you know, confused by and, and, and how I like to explain it is, well, let's just replace it with the word life. Are you and me part of life and say, yes. Mm -hmm. Does life exist within me? And does that same life exist within you? And you say, yes. And is life everywhere? You say, yes. And so if you just learn how to kind of overcome some of the old languages that are around and start to see that there is a fundamental truth underneath all of that stuff, you start to uncover the, that there's a real beauty towards all of these various spiritual traditions. and like you said, many people have ultimately come to the same point where it's just a fulfilling, loving, compassionate experience, and you start to dissolve your sense of separation and separateness from everyone else. You can just see it so clearly. oh, we're all part of that same one life, that same life force, you know to quote to quote Yoda and, and Star Wars, the force. <laughs> you know it's it, it's here.
0: No, I mean, and I do believe that that's one of the reasons why that movie and that that whole story resonated so much, because he grabbed from every great spiritual tradition and really brought down this concept of oneness, the force, it flows through all of us. It It's, you know, and not to go off in a geeky standpoint, because everyone knows, I man, I literally have a little Yoda behind me. So, uh, but it is, it is very power. That's how powerful storytelling can be. And I've, I've had people tell me I've I've had people who know George Lucas who told me they they want to create a religion around the force. And George is like, no, no, you've lost the point of what I was trying to do. All of it, no, there is no religion. It's a story. It's a it's a it's a it's the meat and potatoes of society. These things don't, don't, please don't go there. So he no. always kiboshes it as much as he can. <laughs>
2: One of the things I love to do is, is look out for spiritual me- messages and, and, and meanings within movies, especially. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, again, w- w- when you understand it and you've read enough about it and and you kind of have, have experienced enough, you can see them. I mean, for me, there was the, there's a beautiful movie that came out, I think, only a year or two ago with, um, I think it was a Disney movie called Soul. And,
0: oh, yeah, yeah it's beautiful.
2: The, at, yeah, and at the end when he just, sees this kind of leaf falling and he remembers just tasting this pizza and that is the experience it's just being present in that moment and it's such a heartwarming movie to Mm -hmm. to to see real spiritual messages very complex ideas portrayed in such a beautiful simplistic way for children and it's Mm -hmm. like wow that you know this thing these things are still there all the time the matrix there's so many different things that are out there and it, it's it's wonderful to see ancient spiritual wisdom still kind of coming out in so many different ways and especially through storytelling and movies, which I, I know is a big part of your life.
0: Mm-hmm. No, without question. Now, so many of us, and not so many of us, every single one of us that's alive goes through struggles in their life. How can you can you connect why we struggle in life to our own spiritual growth? How is it related?
2: In the Sikh tradition, there's a very simple understanding of suffering, and mm-hmm. it is any time that you want something different to the present moment, then you're in suffering.
0: Extremely interesting. So, any okay? So that's a, it's it's making my head hurt a little bit because I've gone I'm going down. I'm processing that comment. It's so simple but yet profound. So the moment that we're in right now you and I are having a, a, a very lovely conversation. But the second I want something that's not happening right now, like I'm like, what I really want him to do is this. He's not doing this. So now I suffer. Is that an ex- example of that?
2: That's an example of, of what we do at every moment. At every <laughs> moment, you'll notice that you're just not able to to stay still and your mind is always looking for some way to improve the present moment rather than a way to enjoy the moment. And it's a it's a habit. It's what your mind is doing all the time. And I take the simple example of when you're in the grocery store and you're standing in a queue waiting, waiting to pay at the till. And the the thoughts that are going through your head is that's got that guy's got too many things in his basket. I've only got one thing. I should be quicker than him. Look at how many empty tills there are. Why can't they they open up another till? And your mind is doing that all the time and you're suffering. And you learn through spiritual guidance that that's just thoughts. Then you don't have to believe them all the time. You don't have to follow that train of thought. You can actually jump off that train of thought and just enjoy standing in the queue, holding your, your, your groceries, waiting to pay. And it's, you can start to learn how to do those things. And suffering is literally just wanting something different. And the absence of suffering, is to just be in a total state of acceptance. Life is flowing and you've just got to go with that flow.
1: Have
0: you ever experienced in your life where things were going just wonderfully? Things were on track, everything was great at home, your business is doing well, you're spiritual, and then a thought pops into your head that says, what if this all goes away? or What if john does this tomorrow? Or what if Sally does that tomorrow? And, but everything at the moment is as beautiful as you can, it's it's picturesque. But your mind automatically starts to think about things how it could all come crashing down. How can you or do you have any advice on how to kind of eliminate that deal with that? Because it never no matter how quiet that ego gets, it could just sit there dormant. Yeah. Weeks, months, years. And then all of a sudden, boop, pops right up when it sees a moment of weakness. Would you agree?
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: Completely. And for me, these things are happening every day. There's always a time when my mind can come up with a scenario where it wants life to be better, or it starts worrying about the future. Or if you've got nothing to worry about, you start reliving reliving painful memories of the past. Just It just starts coming back back up again. It's in, yeah, and, yeah. and I find myself or my mind doing that all the time. And the only thing that I'm now able to do slightly better is I'm able to catch when the mind is doing that. And sometimes you catch it and you realize, oh, my mind is playing up again and you're able to let go of it. But sometimes there are thoughts that are so that, 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 that really kind of pinch a deep part of you, like a deep rooted desire that you haven't been Mm. able to let go of. And that thought lingers and it lingers for days and it lingers for a long time. And the, the way that I've been able to overcome some of that now is, 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 I just ask myself a very simple question, which is, Hey, are you enjoying this feeling right now? And as soon as I ask myself a question like that, I realize, oh, I'm I'm going down this kind of deep, dark hole that I don't want to be in, that I've been in before. And I think you have to suffer enough times in order to realize I don't want to go down there again. And when you can start to see the telltale signs of suffering and depression and those things start coming up, you quickly start to... To 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 back paddle and 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 take your steps back because you know if you inter- entertain those ideas further and further, it, there's only one deep dark hole that it's going to take you down, and 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 I've been there. I've been in places where for weeks I've just been in 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 a in a mental rut, and th- like you said, there's nothing actually wrong with my life, but <laughs> your mind is just gone down this this rabbit hole, and it's only when you've gone down quite a few times that you realize either I, I, I catch it before it goes too deep, or I just let it go. And that's where a daily spiritual practice is so important because it's 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 that thing that just kind of lifts you out again and, and a daily meditation, daily access to spiritual wisdom, whatever your tradition is, having those constant reminders is the thing that kind of keeps you afloat. Otherwise you will drown very quickly.
0: It, it is really truly all about perspective because You know, one person, if I gave you, you know, and here in the States, somebody just won a billion dollars at a lottery, literally won a billion dollars. They took home, that was take home. They won two billion, took home a billion because they said, hey, why not? And that there's people I know who go, you just won the lottery. Oh, the taxes. (laughs) First thing comes out of their mouth. (laughs) Now I got to pay taxes as opposed to, oh, how many people can I help? Or, oh my God, I could build generational wealth for my family. Or I could build a foundation or I could... Taxes. Now everyone's going to want money from me. I'm going to lose my whole world. Like, it's it's one thing, but two different perspectives. The winning of the lottery is neither negative nor positive. It just is. But the perspectives are so different. I always use the example of a car crash. When people ask... don't believe me. I go, well, in a car crash, the person who got into the accident, like this is the worst day of my life. Oh my God, I'm I'm okay. But I now I got to get this taken care of my insurance, all this stuff. And then you go over to the mechanic He's like, great day, got some more work, same accident, two different perspectives. So there is no real innate good or bad in things that happen like that. Because, you know, it's just is, it's how we we throw attachments and three in perspectives on it, correct?
2: You, you said, it, it, it's, it's really wonderful to hear you speak because you're literally saying <laughs> a lot of the things that I, that I talk about. Uh, and it's wonderful to hear that as well. You, you used a very key word, which is attachments. And that's one of the things that we don't really look into that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet spiritual traditions do point to recognizing your attachments because ultimately when you see something as good or bad is all about what you're attached to. If you're attached to a particular reality, then you yeah. will always see things as, as how they're going to affect that. And, and we do this with everything We're we're attached to our bodies. We're attached to our families. We're attached to staying alive. We're attached to so many things. And, and what an attachment really means is the way something is, I don't want it to change. I want it to, to stay exactly like this. Or we're attached to an idea that says, what's happening right now? I I want something else. So you can be attached to many different things. And when you start to realize that it's not what you're attached to that you have to address, but it's the very nature of attachments, which is I want life to go my way. And (laughs) if it doesn't go my way, then then something's gone wrong. And when we start to realize that if you can just live in harmony with whatever is happening you know a conversation that happens in the uk on a daily basis that everyone looks outside the weather the window and starts complaining about the weather mm-hmm. and i remember coming fr- from india as, as a young child and 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 coming here and just noticing people's conversations around the weather and you know you, you switch on the tv and they don't even the the weatherman on tv doesn't say it's going to be a rainy day they start using negative words like it's going to be a gloomy day it's going to be a miserable day so they're giving you an emotion to something that's just a natural phenomenon which is rain that they're, they're, they're actively training you how to think and, and and what you realize is we are so conditioned by the people around us that train us to think in certain ways that they it, these things just become automatic behaviors so you know, I'm not surprised if there's somebody who wins the lottery, but because they've spent so much time just living in misery and thinking about things from a negative perspective, it's not actually their fault. It's just a trained response for them to go immediately to the negative. And I think that's what spirituality is trying to do is you're always recognizing your own mental behaviors and then taking a step back from them and saying, is this how I really want to react? Is this who I really am? Or can I choose to react in, in, in a more, Enlightened way, is there a better way to look at this situation?
0: and what you said is so is so profound because programming is what we all have been it's all all of us have been programmed. From the moment we were born, we were programmed by our surroundings. you know the, the scientist Bruce Lipton talks about the first seven years. like that's when the programming is is that's when the the software is being designed for the mainframe that has been brought in. And then he goes, you've the first seven years being programmed, you spend the rest of your life trying to deprogram yourself. And it's so, so true. Because if you were brought up in a certain religion, that's the programming in a certain society, that's the programming, a certain uh, culture, that's the programming. And doesn't it's not your fault. It's what you were born into. And then we can go into deeper spiritual concepts of being incarnated into that specific that specific path because that's what you wanted to learn and all that kind of stuff. But it is a program. And if you understand that your instincts are programs, you have to learn how to reprogram yourself. Right?
2: Completely. I think Guru Nanak would argue that you are constantly being programmed. And in order to change your output, you need to have a real thought about what the inputs are. And he uses this word Sangat which literally means those who you surround yourself by and and and, and you know there's there's an old punjabi saying sangat rangat which means the people you surround yourself with change the color of your life and so yes. if you want your life to be different you've got to change those surroundings and that doesn't mean just that you know the the one negative member of your family who you don't want to spend in, spend any time with because we're being programmed literally by the media that we follow, we're being programmed by the people who we choose to follow on social media.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. If
2: you're constantly looking at images of people who have fancy cars and are going on on great holidays and are always wearing designer clothes well well guess what your 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 view of life is going to be that my life is not like that it's not as perfect as them and so those who you surround yourself with start to impact your programming and every day we are being influenced and if we can just choose who our influences are so for me you know i'm I, i always have this kind of running thing with with my family where where I'm always trying to maintain my weight, and and for me, the, the, the one of the things I started to do on Instagram was I would follow people who were you know fitness um, gurus or whatever, and what what am I doing in that scenario? I'm 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 making an active choice that says I want my life to to be my health to be better. So I know that I can't do it on my own. So I'm going to constantly be reminded of some of these priorities in order to kind of live a healthier lifestyle and when you follow spiritual teachers online what you're doing is you're choosing your programming you're saying i don't want to be bombarded with these messages because that then impacts how i how i live my day-to-day life i'd rather be exposed to these teachings on a day-to-day basis and so mm-hmm. those teachings and those programmings they are so they, they literally are the thing that 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 will change your life change change the people around you change your influences and you will change your life It's it's as simple as that
0: I, I couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. That is very, very true. You are. It's like the old thing grandpa used to say, you are the people you surround yourself with. Uh, and it's you, when you're a teenager, you're like, "Ah, old man, doesn't know what he's talking about. But as you get older, you go, Oh, yeah, yeah, that that I almost went down the wrong path because of these idiots. Uh, or you surround yourself with really good people like, Oh, God, look, I always try to surround myself with people who are a level or two ab- above me in whatever business or anything so I can learn. If you're the smartest one in the room, it's not a good thing. <laughs> you're in the wrong room. <laughs> you're in the wrong because you can't grow. And I've, yeah. you know, I've been part of masterminds growing up uh, in my business where I like at, at the beginning I was here, but then by a year later, I'm like, they're all just asking me questions of what I'm doing. I'm like, I need to get a new room.
2: <laughs> and, and that becomes hard where the people who you grew up with your old high school friends there's expectations on you family family members and there are expectations on you hey he thinks he's better than us he he doesn't turn up to the family events anymore or he doesn't want to hang around with us anymore and it's and it's and it can be really difficult because Mm -hmm. it's not that you don't want you you see yourself as better than them you're just trying to find what's better for your life and you're, you're just being very clear that, that, that this is no longer good for me. And it's very hard to break some of those ties because you don't want to disappoint anyone. You don't want to um, be the black, black sheep of the family. But at the end of the day, sometimes there are people around you and there are things around you that that is just not good for you anymore. And, you, you know, you're absolutely doing the right thing by looking up and saying, who, who, who's, who's a couple of steps ahead of me? Who's where I want to be in life? and 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 how do i surround myself with that? how do i learn from from those people as opposed to the people who are dragging me back down again and 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 only want to gossip and and argue and 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 kind of keep you in in your old bubble and and that's sometimes things that we're trying to break away from
0: the crab in the bucket there it's a crab in the bucket people that just keep pulling you back down into the bucket so they can you can live in their misery where anytime i've ever known people who are a few steps ahead of me, it gives you an example of Oh, I can get there too, because here's an example of someone else who's gotten
1: there. Yeah.
0: And that's what all the spiritual masters have done. And all the spiritual masters have said, like, you too, can follow what we did and our teachings or or what we've discovered along the way to get to hopefully your own um, top of the mountain, if you will. Uh, Now, there's, there's another thing that always comes up in in my show, a lot of questions I get asked by the audience is finding purpose in life. That's such a powerful thing. Because if you don't have purpose, or don't have a mission that you really are conscious of, you can be lost for decades. I was, (laughs) I was lost for a long time, till I started to find my path. I was like, Oh, so I, I, I enjoy this. This is what I feel. This is good. I'm helping people this is I think this is where I need to be and then you find this enjoyment in life and you're like okay I have a clear path now it's not as muddy what would you what advice would you give to people who are lost right now in the forest trying to find their way to the path that they're supposed to be walking in this life
2: I've questioned my own life as to whether there is one purpose you know we we like to know there's Mm -hmm. a lot of cliches that are out there on social media that you know follow your passions or follow your purpose and to me i i I look at it slightly differently which is can i learn to be in peace no matter what i'm doing and sometimes there's a very clear answer which is no i mean (laughs) i used to have a, a a a career in i.t before i you know before i was doing what i'm doing now before i was teaching and in IT I was successful I was earning a ton of money compared to what I'm earning now and <laughs> on the outside everything looks perfect but I would go to work every day and I'd realize what am I doing what what is this work that I'm doing what why do I wake up every morning just to just to do this and sometimes there are very clear answers that says no this is you you're meant to do something else and 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 you have to just kind of follow that you know and trust that there is something deeper inside that that that's kind of pointing you in, in the right direction but the difficulty comes when what happens when you go down that path when you think you're following your purpose and it doesn't work out there's always going to be possibilities there's always going to be times where you you think your purpose is one thing, and 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 life just meanders and finds its own way. And and I think the, the older I'm getting, I'm, I'm beginning to realize it's easy to be miserable, whatever you're doing, and it's very hard to actually try and find peace in in and just be grounded in 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 various scenarios of life. And I think for me, I'm. I'm trying to just find peace in in, in day-to-day living and and not necessarily worry about what my purpose is because it can change. You know, right now I've got two young kids. My purpose is to be at home and be with them. And in a couple of years time, when when they say, mom, dad, see you later, you know, we're gonna live our own life then our purpose, my, my purpose might be something completely different. I might decide at some point that my life is, you know, I've done enough of the work that I'm doing right now and I want to follow something else. So I think it's about having flexibility and trying to find a way to be peaceful no matter where life takes you because sometimes life has a way of taking you to places that you can never imagine.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. That was such a beautiful way of saying it and I've never heard it quite put that way, but you're absolutely right that... There are multiple purposes in our life, depending on the stage of life we're in. When you're a teenager, you have, you know, many purposes. (laughs) If we look back, it's like to stay alive, essentially. (laughs) Because of the insanities that we used to do to ourselves as teenagers. Um, But, you know, I had my first career as a filmmaker and being in the film industry. And that was my purpose. At that moment, and I found much joy and peace in that purpose. Until I didn't, uh, in the way that I was doing it. So I had to find other ways, and then podcasting, for God's sakes, came into the picture. And all of a sudden, oh, well, is this my purpose now? Oh, okay. Then a spiritual podcast—really, is this my purpose now? So it's just constantly shifting. But throughout that, those shifts in life, you have to find peace during the process that it's taking you through because you might have an ultimate purpose, but it might take you 20 or 30 years. It might take you till you six. Look, Colonel Sanders over here didn't start Kentucky Fried Chicken till he was in the 60s, you know? And arguably that was his purpose in this life to give us greasy, greasy chicken uh, and tasty, greasy chicken. Um, but it's just an interesting point because you're right. You can't know what your purpose is at five. Not most people. And you're going to be miserable until you find that you are finding peace in the moments. And if you're not happy in those moments, start to discover where where you are going to be happy. And it might be leaving this job, it might be leaving like you said, it, I, I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not happy. I want to go here now. Oh, I have kids now, I want to find a job that I can do at home and still fulfill my purpose. See, it's it's always constantly shifting. But the path is it's just finding the path, whatever that path is, in the way it keeps turning and twisting, correct?
2: I think it's about finding peace whichever path you're on. I think that's what I'm trying to do as my purpose. Like, forget whatever else I do in the world. Can I learn to be happy and peaceful in, in my day-to-day life? And that that's 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 a big enough challenge in life, let alone anything else that you try and achieve. Can you because outwardly you can achieve so many things, but how many people are, are, are truly happy and truly peaceful? And not many, even the, you know, I, I would argue even the billionaires and, and, and some oh. of the richest people in the world um, may not necessarily be the happiest people in the world.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: And so mm-hmm. we need to, we need to just kind of, Change the dialogue around what purpose really means, and I think to me, it's not about achieving something, doing something. It's almost not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about how did you wake up every day? How did you live every day, every moment? You know, I, 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 I love this phrase that we all want to rest in peace, but that only happens when you know how
0: to live in peace. Oh, that's beautiful. That's 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 a t-shirt, sir that is a beautiful you should put that as merch and you should start selling that uh, <laughs> that's absolutely it's perfect that's such a great thing um because you you're absolutely right we need to learn how to live in peace and that is that is one of the biggest problems we have as a, as a species in general now we, we were talking a little bit now about our purpose and and you've spoken about the universe uh, kind of bringing you to where you want to be Like, I promise you, when you were 20 something, if someone told you, you'd be doing this, you'd be like, you're absolutely mad. If Someone would have told me that I would be doing a podcast as a full time job. I'd be like, what? It makes no sense. So we never really know where we're going. In many ways, the universe, another power, higher power source, whatever is guiding you. Do you have any advice for people to surrender to that force? Surrender? to the guidance that if you look back far enough, you start to realize there were, there's somebody's hand, something pushing you in directions that makes no sense to you at the time. But looking back, you go, geez, thank God that happened. Oh my God, like it's all perfect. It's all lined up perfectly. How do you surrender to that without giving away your quote unquote free will, which people are like, I have free will. I, no one's gonna control me, that's ego. How do you surrender to a higher power in a healthy way while still doing work? Because you still wake up every morning and you do the work, but the outcome is kind of like you let go for the universe to take you where you need to go. Correct.
2: I think surrender is is one of those things that is easy to say, but very difficult to do on a day to day basis. <laughs> and, yep. you know, one, uh, one of the conversations that I have with the elders in my family is they. they very easily like to surrender to some of the big things in life. Like they say, hey, we don't know how long we're going to live or who we're going to marry and 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 the big, big things. We leave it up to, to, to the universe. But the small things I control, if I if I wake up in the morning and I want to make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, that's my decision. But I don't do the big things. And what I've begun to understand surrender as just allowing life to flow in whatever direction it's going to flow. And, and, and the analogy that works very well for me is you see these nature documentaries of this fish that's trying to swim away from the stream. He's trying to go upstream when the river's going the other way. And I think that's a little bit like how we live our life. We're always trying to go in a different direction. We're always trying to change something. And the moment we're able to just let go and surrender and just flow with the with the flow of life, we realized that ultimately life was going to take us down this path anyway. And when we can start to become comfortable with the ever-changing nature of life, with the ever-changing nature of this moment, when you can set no expectations for this moment, that's what I'm beginning to now understand as being surrender. Just set no expectations. Whatever happens, I'm okay with it. You know, Jay Krishnamurti has an amazing mantra that he used in his life, which was I don't mind what happens. And that's just a such a profound statement. Mm-hmm. At every moment, I don't mind what happens. And again, very easy to say, very difficult to do, because right. you're always creating these mini expectations in life. You know, you you you're driving to work and there's traffic where you didn't expect it. And 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 just notice your emotions. Or notice your emotions when you're five minutes late to something and you're screaming at the kids, quick, get in the car, get your jacket on, get your, I told you to do this 10 minutes ago, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and you realize, oh, I, I, I really have a long way to go. But when we can start to practice, that's why for me personally, why, uh, mantras are so important, you know, just having phrases, wisdom phrases that you remind yourself, I don't mind what happens. I'm going to let go. Everything is good because everything is God, whatever it is that your, your mantra is allow yourself to just become comfortable with letting go and seeing wherever life takes you right down to the small things. So you wake up in the morning. I don't need to have a fixed routine about my life needs to be this way. You know, if you, if you wake up every morning and you have to have a coffee, what happens the one morning when the coffee machine is broken, then your emotions are all over the place. Whereas if your mantra is, I don't mind what happens, I'm just going to see where life takes me. I'm going to see how the movie plays out today. And I'm just going to take it as an exciting opportunity to see how the movie is going to unfold today, the story of my life. And I think the way that you you start to do that is when you start to see life as not your story, but just the story. If it's your story, then, then you're the director, you're the actor, you're the controller. Whereas if it is just the story, then it's just interesting to see how life
0: unfolds. Why did you have to bring my coffee into this? I mean, there was no reason to bring in my morning coffee. I got very upset inside when you said the machine broke.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I funny. Think it's, it's because funny. we're the same. We have the same reactions, I
0: think. When you said that there was something in my head right when I went to my machine, my my coffee maker, I was like, Is it okay? Is it gonna be a fine tomorrow? <laughs> I'm like, wow, wow. <laughs>
2: And that's what our mind does all the time. It It creates these mini expectations about how life needs to be. And Mm -hmm. when, when anything happens that isn't quite matching our expectations, that's what suffering is. Suffering is how much life deviates from your expectations and how much you're, you're, you're not willing to let go of those expectations. And, and peace is the opposite of that. You just flow, you place no expectations on life. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe to some of your listeners who are, who, who are, who are listening at this point, they can say that all sounds good in theory, but how do I do it in, in day-to-day oh, life? Okay. have no expectations. So when I tell my kids to, to, you know, pick up their plates at the end of the, their meal, am I supposed to just be okay with them? Just saying, mom, dad, I'm not going to do that today. You clean it, you know, uh, where, where do we draw the line? And I think for me, there isn't a, a, a real hard and fast answer to that. You've got to decide how that works for you. All I know is time and time again, whenever I've got gotten upset, whenever life has gotten me down, I'm able to ask myself this question. What expectation did you set for this moment? There's a brilliant example that, 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 I, that I've noticed in my own life. So I do the school run where I'm dropping the kids to school every day. And every day the experience is different for me. Some days I'm driving to school and I think, wow, what a privilege. I get to spend this one-to-one time with my kids. Isn't life amazing? On other days, they're screaming and squabbling with each other. (sighs) And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. And sometimes there's traffic and I'm thinking I'm going to be late for work. And what I've realized is every day the experience is different because I have one expectation, which is every day there's going to be no traffic. Every day, me and my kids are going to be getting along. Every day, we're going to be having these profound conversations. And I'm thinking, wow, what a, what, what a privilege that I get to experience this moment. That's my expectation of, of, of the school run every day. But life doesn't work that way. Life is different every single day. And when I notice myself getting frustrated, I ask myself this question What was your expectation of this moment? And then I remember, oh, my expectation was that, that, that it was going to be smooth sailing every day. And as soon as I realize that I'm upset, not because of what the kids are doing, but I'm upset because of my expectation of what they should be doing, I can let go of that. I can surrender. I can let go of that feeling of life. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy whatever life throws at you today. And that's when you can kind of just have a completely different experience.
0: And it is, I agree with you 100%. But I also think that, like you said, there is a balance at certain moments of things in life. So, Like when your kids don't pick up their dishes, it's not that you let go of that. That's that's a different thing. Your job as a parent is to teach them. So that thing, your expectation is that
1: you're going to teach and that's pretty much what you got to do. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor now back to the show
0: how it reacts, you kind of have to roll with the punches. But that's a different scenario as because that's somewhat in your control, quote unquote, with kids, it's always quote. unquote. But the traffic is something you have no control over the weather is something you have no control over, you know how the stock market works today is not in your control. So you have to kind of let go of certain things as you flow through it. But it is it is a it's, it's not an easy dance my friend it is not no. an easy dance and at I, all.
2: I, and i don't think it's, it's it's to take anything away from personal responsibility i mm-hmm. think there there is like you said as as parents we have a responsibility towards our children as business owners we have a responsibility towards our team and our staff uh, as members of society we have a responsibility to each other so it's not that you just take this complete kind of backseat Back to life and just say, hey, I'm I'm not even going to do anything and, and I'm just going to go with the flow. I think there is a personal responsibility. And it, and and whenever I talk to people, I always caveat what I say with. It's not about what you do in life. If you want to be a parent, you want to control your kids, you want to teach your kids, you do whatever you want. I'm actually talking about how you react in life. Your reactions is what I'm more interested in rather, rather than what you do or don't do in life. So Teach your kids, don't teach your kids, that's up to you. But every time they don't do what you expect, notice how you react. And that's kind Uh, of where the spiritual teachings really start to kick in.
0: I'm telling you, you wanna get spiritually enlightened, have kids, because they are the greatest teachers, boy. They will test you in ways that you will, I mean, oh my, like, you like, take that glass off the table, take that glass off the table, take that glass off the table. And three days later, it's still on the table, and then later that night you hear crash and you're like that's why i told you I to knew take it. that right. thing you was going to happen and then and then the more the, the more philosophical conversation is well did you create that <laughs> with your mind because that's you believe that was going to be the outcome or like you're like oh shut up <laughs> yeah. i can't deal with I that just right i deal with that
2: now <laughs> yeah. i got to
0: clean up this this glass yeah. before someone gets cut and like yeah. oh god yeah. but it's <laughs> It's not easy, my friend. <laughs>
2: that And, walk, and it's for me, easy. I, I tell you that the, the saving grace for me has always been mantras, always been yeah. little phrases that I have to remind myself every day. Okay, this is, you're getting frustrated again. Just use your mantras, bring yourself back because you have to deal with this situation no matter what. That, that that's right. life has presented a situation in front of you. You have to deal with it. The question is, how are you going to emotionally deal with it? Are you going to deal with it in a frustrated, angry, bitter way? Or can you deal with it in a lighter way? Can you deal with it in a higher way? And that's where mantra has always just pulled me out. So in in, 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 in Guru Nanak tradition, it's called Nam, the divine name. What is that? What is the name? What is the word that you use that pulls you out of that that darkness, the the, the ocean of fire that, that it talks about that you're swimming in every day? What is the thing that's going to take you out? And it's the higher wisdom. It's 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 something so simple as just a phrase or a word that can just lift you back out again. And for me, that's that I I can't tell you the number of times that that saved me from from really dark places. You know, if we're honest, you know, as mm-hmm. sometimes you know you you talked about parents and and being being parents, uh, being being a kind of a, a spiritual mirror. I always say that having kids brings out the best in you and the worst in you sometimes you can act in the ways that you never thought that you could act or re- or shout and and, and 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 be and say things and do things in ways that you think wow where did that come from you know is that how my dad used to treat me all of these sort of things start coming in um and it really can bring out the worst in you and at other oh, times yeah. it can bring out the best in you It can bring out so much love so much adoration so much uh beauty and you think, wow, well, like what? It, but it's a, it's a great metaphor for life. It's yeah. a, parenting is a great way to look at how life life can throw you curveballs all the time, and what are you? How are you going to react at every time? Are you just going to go down this emotional roller coaster where one day you're high and one day you're really low, or are you able to find that equilibrium? Are you able to find that thing that kind of brings you back to that kind of peaceful state of mind?
0: When was the moment in your life when you said something that your parents said to you and you're like, oh my God, I'm turning into my dad or, oh my God, I'm turning into my mom.
2: Oh, (laughs) when is, when is that not happening? Um, and, and a lot of the times you realize that some of the ways that you parent is, Hey, my, my parents used to do exactly the same thing. And you realize that Programming. What do you think is right is actually just going down to that programming again, which we, we spoke about before. And it may not be right. I mean, my wife and I are, are very different. And sometimes she will do things and I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you do it that way? Why would you say that thing? Why would you agree to that or whatever it is? And again, she's acting out her programming and I have to act my own. You know, I, I think it's made me appreciate, um, my parents in a way that I never did when I was younger, which is oh. maybe may, maybe I was maybe I was just as terrible as as I was a know, monster. I, I think I was my a kids monster. are going to be to
0: me, right? <laughs> we were monsters, sir. Let's just call it, we were little monsters, and now we realize, go, our parents were saints. I can't believe <laughs> that they didn't they put kill up us. with
2: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they put up with us. They didn't kill us, and that we survived our childhood in general with no seatbelts and cars. Uh, <laughs> And, and smoking in airplanes. How oh, we're still alive is beyond yeah. me as a general statement. Uh, my friend, it's been such a great conversation. I'm gonna ask you a few questions, uh, ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life?
2: My definition of living a fulfilled life is finding wholeness. I think that every single human being has an inner calling where they know that something is missing and we spend our whole life trying to fill this emptiness, this void with stuff, with relationships, with money, with this. And, and we're all we're trying to do is we know that life should feel whole and we don't know where to fill it, how to fill that hole. We don't know how to find that sense of wholeness. And I think for me, when you realize that it isn't going to happen out there, that I have to find where that wholeness comes from, that to me is what a fulfilled life is all about, is just feeling full again, feeling whole, feeling complete, where you don't need anything more than what you already
0: have. If you can go on a time machine and go back in time to talk to the little boy he used to be, what advice would you give him?
2: That's an, that's an amazing question. <laughs> um, I think I would tell my younger self there are so many ups and downs in life. There are so many ways and so many things that happen where you're going to be tested and there isn't necessarily a right answer all the time. What you've got to do is find the things that bring you peace. And I think for me, if I would have told my younger self, if you don't know what to do in life, always be navigated by peace. Let peace be the thing that kind of takes you home because that's where you're truly going to feel c- contented and and satisfied don't worry about what other people do don't worry about what other people say or sometimes in in life when you don't know what the right decision is the right decision is always the most peaceful one and i try and guide my kids in that way as well when they ask me what am what do i want to be in life i say just be happy be peaceful find that uh, i think that would be my advice to me today let alone to me. When <laughs> Let I was alone when you were a kid. kid
0: today. I would say that to myself. Um, how do you define God? Uh, you you really
2: saved the big questions for the end. <laughs> to me, God is like the electricity inside a light bulb. It's, it's without that electricity, we're nothing. It's the thing that keeps us alive. It is aliveness itself. And if you can just realize what a privilege it is that you are alive, then you start to not want to chase too many things in life. Aliveness itself is my God. And it is such a wonderful gift to just be, to just be in this moment, to just be present to be able to recognize that God is that which is happening right now. In this very moment, this conversation is God. The the wind blowing through the trees is God. It is just the isness of life itself. And if you can just stop your mind from going somewhere else and just bring it into the present moment and just look around, you begin to see God is what is happening in this very moment, all the good and the bad. The ups and the down. God is the totality of it all, and all you have to do is just open your eyes and see it all around you.
0: And the
1: easiest question of all, what is the ultimate purpose of life? <laughs> <sighs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor And now back to the show.
2: To feel whole, to feel full and to live every moment in its fullest? And I don't mean that in the sense of carpe diem, which is just take every opportunity to go do a skydive or a bungee jump. But what is the, the, the fullest way to live every moment? Are you in fullness and wholeness in this moment when you're just eating your food or going for a walk or having a conversation? What is the fullness of this moment, as opposed to your mind always trying to find a better way to this. Uh, and I think if, if if human beings can just learn how to have that sense of peacefulness and fullness and wholeness at every moment, the world would be in such a, a beautiful, better place than it is right now.
0: And where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing in the world?
2: Um, YouTube mainly. Uh, I run a a nonprofit organization called Nanak Nam, and we provide spiritual education and we try and make ancient spiritual wisdom available to everyone. And we are on, on YouTube and all the social media channels, just go and look for Nanak Nam, um, And we also have a website with courses that I've created completely for free, there's no charge, uh, and it's called Living With Wisdom. So you can Google Living With Wisdom and you can find um, a lot more information and, and, and stuff that's just that's just there for free. Um, and I hope people do. And do you have any parting messages for our audience? The very fact that you are one of the few people on the planet today that's even listening to wisdom like this is puts you in a, in a very special place. You are extremely privileged to have access to this wisdom. And your role is to just gain as much of that as possible really drink it in really realize the privilege that it is to have spiritual wisdom in your life and share it with as many people as possible don't look down on others don't try to change other people just share just like if you've tasted a beautiful fruit or if you've listened to a wonderful piece of music your natural impulse is to want to go out and share that with the world and share love share kindness share peace and you'll have it returned to you in in abundance.
0: My friend, thank you again so much for this amazing conversation. We have to have you back on the show in the future because I know I can talk to you for at least another six or seven hours. Uh, So I appreciate you so much for not only being on the show and for this amazing conversation, but for everything you're doing in the world to help awaken us all. So thank you, my friend.
2: Thank you, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: I want to thank St. Paul so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge and wisdom with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 278. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember,
1: trust the journey. It is here to teach you.